You're listening to a Sovereign Hope Church podcast with pastor and teaching elder Adam Vinson. All right, if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, I appreciate Dale filling in this morning uh, with several of our worship team out today. Luke chapter 8 is where we're going to be. Um, just a quick update on things that are happening here at our church. We're going to be uh, meeting as a leadership team today to uh, finalize some things with our fall small group. So we're excited about those coming back as we come to the end of summertime. Um, and so we'll be meeting to, to get those finalized. Just to give you a heads up, we are going to meet for the first time with our small groups this fall a little bit later in the month than we normally would. So normally we would meet uh, the first Wednesday of the month, but with school starting back there at the beginning of August, we're going to push it towards the end of the month, and then we'll fall into our normal schedule in September. So just to give you a heads up about that, uh, we've also made some progress on opening up this wall right here to give us a bigger seating capacity um, as people start to come back from vacation and uh, whatnot as we look to the fall. We know we're going to need more seats, and so um, we had two of our, our men meet with uh, an engineer this past week, and so we're making some progress there just to keep you updated with that. Um, and then speaking of summer, we had a great time this week with our youth uh, at Whitewater. I think we took 17 of our kids with us. Um, there were five adults that went, and we just had a blast uh, hanging out with those kids. We welcomed our rising sixth graders uh, to the group, and so just had a really good time um, and looking forward to what God's going to do through our kids' ministry uh, this upcoming fall as well. Luke chapter 8, as you've heard uh, both Dale and Marcus mention, we've been studying uh, the parables this summer in Luke specifically. So looking at Jesus's different teachings uh, on these difficult subjects uh, throughout the gospel of Luke. Uh, last week, we looked at one that was maybe, maybe a little less familiar to you, the, the unworthy servants. Um, and we saw how in the context Jesus was teaching his followers the responsibility they have to be on guard against temptation, uh, to be willing to rebuke sin in the lives of others, and then to be willing to forgive when people repent of their sin, right? In that context, then, Jesus tells the parable of the unworthy servant, the, the servant who does his job well, but doesn't get a whole lot of thanks for it from his master. And the implication of the parable is, He's not necessarily worthy of thanks because he's simply done what he was commanded to do. And so we talked application for us that we are commanded to do some of these basic Christian things. We're to be in the habitual state of guarding ourselves from temptation, uh, rebuking sin in others as we see it, to confront lovingly, to pull people out of sin, to forgive each other when we're wronged. Um, that's to be the normal, basic way of living. And when we're doing those things, we shouldn't expect a, a party for it. We shouldn't expect an award for it. We shouldn't expect celebration over it. It should be that we're unworthy servants of Christ, that we have been invited to participate in his kingdom purposes. And so we should do that joyfully and willfully without any cause for celebration. And so I challenged you last week to obey those commands that we find there, to love others, to forgive others, but to also adjust your motives. If you've been doing that, and your motivation to continue doing that is starting to wane a bit because maybe it's going unnoticed. Maybe you're not getting the fanfare for your faithfulness to adjust your motives uh, to see that you've been called to be a worthy servant without the celebration for it with the understanding that Christ is going to celebrate us uh, in the end, right? We saw that promise that when Christ returns, um, there will be celebration. There will be celebration over the faithfulness that he's worked in our life. 
Luke chapter 8 now brings us to uh, the parable of the sower and the seed, which is obviously going to be a lot more familiar to us, right? Like if we're thinking of parables, we typically think of the prodigal son, the good Samaritan, and maybe the sower and the seed being a close third there as far as popularity goes. And so let me challenge you to not dismiss today's passage too quickly based on familiarity, um, to, to really have an open heart to receive, because we're going to see today the theme of this passage is our receptiveness to God's word. So if there's ever a day to be receptive to what we hear from God's word, I'm giving you that up front that you want to be receptive today to maybe reduce some of the conviction you might feel at the end, right? Open your heart to hear and see what God would have you to understand from our passage today. Luke chapter eight, let's start reading in verse one. It says, soon afterward, he, talking about Jesus, went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the 12 were with him and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene from whom seven demons had gone out and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager and Susanna and many others who provided for them out of their means. And when a crowd, a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the, is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. Our summary sentence for today, the impact God's word has on my life is directly tied to the condition of my heart, which means I need to be fully aware of the enemies that wage war against my ability to hear his word in life-changing ways. The impact that God's word has on my heart is directly tied to the condition of my heart, which means I need to be fully aware of the enemies that wage war against my ability to hear his word in life-changing ways. For our kids, my heart must be right for the Bible to help me grow in my faith. My heart has to be right for the Bible to help me grow in my faith. What we're going to see in this parable is Jesus identifies at least three enemies to our growing in faith, three enemies that would seek to attack our ability to hear God's word and to hear it well. The punchline of the parable, Jesus' call to action is found in verse 8. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
If you have ears to hear, then hear this. The idea being that we can have ears and yet not be listening well, right? It indicates we can be guilty of hearing only what we want to hear. Now, we all know people like this, right? People who have selective hearing, people who choose to hear what they want to hear and choose to not hear the things that they don't want to hear. Um, Kids are notorious for this, right? My oldest, AJ, um, is notorious for this. I mean, AJ's got like a supernatural ability to hear when you're talking about him, right? But to not necessarily hear when you're talking to him, right? Uh, But I struggle with this as well, right? So AJ's just a, a byproduct of me myself, right? Like, uh, there's times when, when people are talking to me or telling me to do things, and those are things that I don't want to hear, and so they're things that I don't necessarily listen well to. But then there's other times when, when I'm very quick to hear other people's conversations that either have nothing to do with me or maybe have something to do with me but aren't directed towards me, right? Selective hearing, hearing things that we want to hear, but then choosing to ignore, choosing to kind of block out, uh, maybe based on distractions that are around us to where we don't hear things that are directed to us. And so Jesus cautions us with this. He says, hey, if you have ears, turn them on. If you can listen, if you can hear, now's the time to do so. Why? What's at stake here? Well, it's our faith. Our faith is at stake here because faith comes from hearing and responding to God's word, according to Romans ten seventeen. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so the idea being is, is, is my faith growing? Am I learning to trust in the truth of God's word more? Am I listening to it? Am I hearing it? Am I responding to it? We're all listening to something this morning. We're all hearing something. We all have soft and receptive soil to some message in our life, but our eternity rests on what that is. All right, so we're going to talk about uh, some of this soil is hard, right? And so God's word doesn't penetrate it. Uh, there's other parts of this soil that's, that's crowded and, and God's word gets choked out. And then we're going to talk about the good soil. But I want you to understand that all of us have good soil that's receptive to some message in our life, right? There, there are messages that are coming to us. We want to be hardened to the, the messages of the world, open and receptive to the things of God. But oftentimes we have that reversed. Our our hearts are very open and receptive to any message not found in God's word, right? We're sympathetic towards it. We're drawn to it. We're tempted by it. Our hearts are very open, receptive, and ready to receive that. Jesus would tell us to have ears that hear his message this morning. As I've been doing the last several weeks when we've talked about the parables, trying to give you that main point Uh, Because parables aren't meant to be dissected across the board necessarily. They have a main point that we want to grasp. That main point this morning is the condition of my heart will determine how effective God's word is in my life. So I must take responsibility to hear well. The condition of my heart will determine how effective God's word is in my life. So I must take responsibility to hear well. This parable that Jesus gives us here, he thankfully breaks it down for us and helps us to understand exactly what's happening. The seed that the sower is spreading in this parable is identified as God's word. Any form of God's word coming to us comes to us by a sower sowing it, right? Whether that's uh, informal teaching, 
Maybe you sitting down and um, reading and, and studying or maybe listening to uh, something. Kind of a, an informal approach where it's not maybe the formal Sunday morning type approach, uh, but more so it is um, kind of a outside of the Sunday morning experience type of thing, right? You're kind of on your own, your own initiative. You're going to God's Word. You've got informal teaching that's maybe taking place in your life. Then there's the formal teaching where we come maybe uh, to Sunday morning or, or we come to a C group gathering where we're, we're gathering around God's Word or our D groups where we're, we're sharing some of the fruit of our own study, right? So anytime we're exposed to God's Word, we can view that as a sower sowing the seed into our life. The sower being that spreader of the word, preachers, teachers, uh, just other uh, brothers and sisters in our Christ who seek to encourage us with God's word, our own efforts to study and to read. And then the soil is identified as our heart condition. Our heart condition. And that's the, that's the variable in this parable, right? Notice that the sower and the seed are the constant, right? No change there. It's not that one sower sows a certain type of seed on the path and a different sower comes along and sows seed on the, the rocky ground. Same sower, same seed, but different results. Why? Because the variable is the type of soil and that's our heart condition. Now, if you think about where we were a couple of weeks ago in Luke chapter seven, so one chapter before this, we see different soils and we see different results of God's word. Think back in Luke chapter 7. This is where the Pharisee throws the the dinner party. Jesus is invited. And we have the woman show up who brings her her oil to anoint his feet. Right? She's crying at his feet. She's anointing him. Jesus talks about here's one who is forgiven much and loves much, whereas he talks to the Pharisee and says, you don't see yourself as needing to be forgiven of much, and therefore you don't love much in return. So two totally different responses to the same Jesus, right? The same Jesus is present there, and the people are responding differently to him. Which puts really great responsibility on you as the hearer of God's word. Puts great responsibility on me as a hearer of God's word too. I put in my notes, great churches are marked not so much by great preaching, but by great hearing. Let me say that again. Great churches are marked not so much by great preaching, but by great hearing. This parable implies that there's a level of spiritual warfare taking place. A battle for our heart rages. And like I said, we're going to see three clear enemies that stand in our way of personal growth. And further down in this chapter, verse 18 Jesus says, take care then how you hear. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Jesus says, be careful about how you hear God's word because those of you who hear it well and do something with it, you're going to keep growing and more is going to be given to you. But there's also a, a, a caution here. For those of you who hear God's word and do nothing with it, and get into this habit of doing nothing with it, there may come a day where Jesus stops speaking to you, stops giving you the truth, stops making you even partially receptive to it. You close your heart off to it too much, and it will be hardened permanently. Jesus says, take care in how you are listening. Take care 
in how you hear. I think it's important to see this different, this, these different soils. They don't represent potentially Christians losing their salvation. I also don't think it pictures different levels of Christianity. I think what it pictures is people who are Christians and people who aren't. People who are true believers are receptive to God's word. God's word takes root in their life. It plants, it grows, it matures, and it springs forth fruit. What we see here are other people who show potentially an initial response, and we know these people, they've showed an initial response, but for whatever reason, they fall away. They, they stop carrying through with God's word, and that, that's an indicator to us that they're not believers, and so we'll see that as we kind of work through this parable. All right, number one, listen well, because Satan wants to impact your hearing. Listen well, because Satan wants to impact your hearing. Jesus starts with this parable, talking about the sower spreading seed, and some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And then Jesus explains to us what does that mean when we skip down further in the chapter. He says, the ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes in and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So that first soil that's pictured here is a hard path, a hard path. It's uh, a path, an area that's well packed down due to the walking of life, right? So the picture is that between these fields, and this is how they would have sown their seed at that time, they would have had a bag of seed and they would have walked their fields and they would have cast the seed from their bag undoubtedly losing some of the seed as they reached in and grabbed a handful and began to spread it, some of that would be cast off on the ground where they're walking. Now, some of you may have spent enough time in the woods to know that if an area of ground is repeatedly beaten on with feet or tires, things typically stop growing there, right? John and I, John Wallace and I had the chance to go to a piece of property that we lease in Alabama for hunting, and it was very evident where people have walked and ridden, even since the last time we were there, right? Because people like to come onto our property when we're not there and, and use our property because uh, we're state, you know, a full state away, and I think they've picked up on that. So we can see tire tracks and, and footprints of where people have been, and where people have been in the off-season, things have not grown, right? They, they've maintained the path for us. Here's where the four-wheeler goes. Here's where your, your off-roading vehicle goes. But then there's other places where we need to get to that have grown up, right? Because there hasn't been heavy traffic there. The picture here is that where that heavy traffic has been, the seed falls, but it cannot penetrate. It cannot do anything with that ground because it's hard, it's packed in. The seed falls there, but it's snatched away because the birds come and eat it. And the birds are pictured as Satan and his forces who come to snatch it away. Birds are the enemy of seed, right? My family was watching an episode of Little House on the Prairie recently where uh, one of the men from the village goes to purchase all of this corn seed. And on his way back, he wrecks, his, his horse kind of bucks, and their, their cart turns over and there's seed everywhere. And he's pinned underneath the cart, and these birds, massive birds, come and start eating their corn seed. And he's trying to throw rocks at them and trying to shoo them away. They see this massive buffet on the ground, Right? seed for me, I can come and eat, and these birds are swarming. That's the picture that we get here is that the seed falls, and when the birds realize they can't be hurt or and put in danger by the sower, they come and snatch it away, and they come and eat. And Jesus says this picture is what happens when a person with a hard heart is exposed to God's word, 
There, there's no penetration. There's, there's no acceptance. There's no receptibility to it. Sometimes due to the hardness of our life, maybe even the familiarity of what we've heard, we're resistant to it. We're hard to it. There is no impact. And then Satan comes and snatches it away. And as quickly as it was spoken, or as quickly as it was maybe read by you, one in one ear, out the other, it's gone. Now, this should be a sobering thought. Don't, don't just hear this and kind of gloss over it. Think about what Jesus is saying here. That the word of God is sown into our life, whether formally through preaching or informally through your own reading and study. And there is a war for what will happen with what you've been exposed to. Will that seed make it into your heart? Will it develop root? Will it grow and produce fruit? Or will it be yanked away? And what's sobering is that Jesus says it will be yanked away by supernatural enemies. I mean, that should cause all of us to just pause and say, whoa, like we're sitting here together. The preaching of the word is taking place. And what Jesus is saying is that if we're not careful, we will miss what is being spoken right now. Because not because you'll just forget about it, but because a supernatural enemy will take that from you right now. That, 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 that you'll hear it, but it will have zero impact. Satan will steal it away. This, this is describing people who maybe think the Bible is too hard to understand. Or they say it's not interesting and not applicable. There's very little effort to engage with it. Maybe they've heard these things over and over and over again. And they're not believing it. And it makes them hard. Just like walking around on a piece of property would make that ground hard. The devil and the demons are real and they're actively working against your ability to hear and respond to God's word. They want to take it before it's rooted. So the main issue here is that the heart is hard with no room or willingness to let the seed penetrate. It should not surprise us that distractions, hindrances, and sleepiness are at an all-time high when you sit down to try to study God's word. It should not surprise you that your kids are all the more difficult to get ready to go somewhere on a Sunday morning than any other morning of the week, right? Most of you have to get your kids up and get them to school well before we start church on a Sunday at 10, at 1030 in the morning, right? You guys are used to it. You're in the habit. You get your kids up and they're at school by 730, 8 o'clock. You have two extra hours on a Sunday morning. But we shouldn't be surprised that that two hours doesn't help us. Why? Because the, the, the enemy is working against us. All the hindrances, all the distractions, all the frustrations, all the sleepiness, all of that should rear its head on a Sunday morning. It should be incredibly hard to get here. Why? Because you're not just working against your kids or yourself. You're working against the enemy who wants to keep you from hearing God's word. It shouldn't surprise us that we are more distracted and more sleepy and more frustrated anytime God's word is at stake because the enemy wants to keep it from our heart. Our calendar should fill up on Wednesdays. Why? Because we have small groups. We have discipleship groups. Unannounced things should come up. Why? Because the enemy is working against us. Don't lose sight of this. We have to listen well because Satan wants to steal this from us. He wants to impact our hearing. If we're not careful, we'll have disinterested hearing here where the enemy will snatch the word from my heart so that I forget it easily. We have to be on guard against this. Enemy number one is satanic forces. 
who want to take the word from our heart before it ever impacts us. Number two, we want to listen well because trials will impact our hearing. Trials will impact our hearing. The sower sows the seed. Some falls along the path, it's trampled. The birds come and eat it. Satan steals it from the heart. Some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Jesus further expounds upon this when he says in verse 13, the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, they fall away. Soil number two is the rock. The enemy of the soil is trials, right? So that first group of people, they're people who uh, are exposed to God's word, maybe overly exposed to it, to where they've just become hardened to it. They're just not receptive to it. It just doesn't make sense. It's too hard to understand. It's not engaging. I'm not interested. I don't care. I don't, I don't want to be impacted by it. Super easy for Satan to just come and steal that away because we've, we've blocked our heart off from it. We've blocked our heart off from it, right? My hope and prayer is that our church will be a place where, where God's word is regularly received by the hearer. I challenged our youth a couple weeks ago, Man, I want our youth to be perceived differently here, right? Youth are typically perceived as people who, who don't really care about spiritual things, right? We talked about how when they're children, childlike faith, when they love Jesus, they love God's word, they love coming to church, they love being a part of everything. And then, then they hit those, those early teen to teenage years where the perception is then that, well, that age group doesn't care about God's word. That they're, they're more concerned about everything else in this life. And then the hope is that, after college, maybe they come back around and they get serious about the things of God once again. Man, I want our, our kids and youth to be different here. Guys, I want y'all to be different in the sense that you don't just come and close yourself off to things that you've heard for years and have this hard heart where the seed falls, but it's quickly snatched away by the birds. I also don't want it to be a place where you come and hear and it's a shallow response of, hey, what Adam said was good today. Hey, what my youth teacher said was good, right? Like I affirm those things. I believe those things, but it doesn't really take root in your life because that's the issue here. There's this, this top layer of soil where the seed can get into and can spring forth and show a little bit of evidence, but there's a rocky layer underneath so that when the sun comes up, it scorches that plant because the roots can't go deep and get the water that it needs during dry seasons, right? The idea being that when things are great and things are joyful, this person responds well to God's word, right? Like, hey, I love what you're saying, or I love what I'm experiencing. I love the, the uh, circumstances that are being given to me by God. Why would I not follow him? But then when life gets hard and the sun comes up and it's the middle of the day and it's beating down and the roots need to go deeper to find the water because it's not there on top, they hit the rock because there is no depth to the faith and it's squelched by the sun. The trials rock the plant and it dies. It falls away. Um, I made a mistake a couple of years ago. I, I cleaned out an area of my backyard and made a, an island back there. And I put down the weed guard. I mean, I went the extra mile here. I was like, I'm going to do this. I don't want weeds popping up. So I went the extra mile, bought the carpet, laid it all out, cut it, and meticulously laid it out to where you had a black carpet over my island. Now it's time to put something on top of it, mulch, pine straw, whatever. I did pine straw and wasted a lot of money because the slope of the island, 
my kids tried to walk on this island and literally just kept slipping on the pine straw. There was nothing, no traction, right? So I've already spent money on the carpet. I've already spent money on the, the pine straw. So now my budget's been hit a little bit. So I go to the, the lawn place and I decide to go cheap on the mulch, right? Because there's, there's the mulch and then there's this other stuff that's considered like junk mulch, right? Like, like the cast over, leftover. What I didn't realize is that soil was kind of mixed in with the mulch. And so I come and dump this cheap soil mulch on top of my island. You know what I did? I made a great breeding ground for weeds, right? I put just enough soil on top of it to where weeds kept popping up, despite the fact that I have a weed carpet underneath it. Now, when I come and pull these weeds up, super easy, right? I can go and pull them up every time I cut the grass because there's no way for their roots to get into the ground because they meet the carpet eventually. But there's enough for them to show a little bit of life, enough to annoy me to where I have to go pick them still, even though I did all the work to lay that carpet. But they're not permanent because they can't get deep. That's the picture here that some of us receive God's word joyfully, but as soon as things get hard, it's very easy to pull us up, very easy to kill us because there is no depth to our faith. The main issue here is that the reception of the word is shallow with no real depth. There's an awareness and maybe even an affirmation, but no appropriation. What do I mean by that? Again, you could be sitting here and you could be hearing the sower and the seed parable once again, and you could be saying, I agree with that. Totally agree with that. I've heard this before, Adam. Totally agree with what you're saying, right? I can appreciate what you're saying. I have an awareness of this parable. I've already heard it before. I'm affirming that it's right and it's good. But then we fail to actually take those truths and make them applicable to our life specifically. Like we fail to actually do anything. We've heard the word, but we fail to do the word. Trials and challenges become faith killers at that point. Contentment with the word in the midst of less than desirable circumstances make my faith no longer doable. Right? When, when trials and difficulties come into our life and our circumstances change, they go from joy to hardship. That's when our faith has to dig deep into what we know to be true of God's word. Remember, faith is simply trusting truth. How much truth am I giving myself to trust in? How much depth have I provided for my, my trust to cling to when, when life isn't what I would choose? If our, if our faith isn't deep enough, trials come and we fall. Trials come and we fall away, Jesus says, because there's no depth to our faith. This is where we find apostates lurking. These, these people who fall away, they give signs of joyful reception, but the joy only runs so deep. We must let the word take root so deep that even in death, we stay faithful. Revelation 2, 10 through 11, Jesus talking to the church at Smyrna tells them, you're gonna be thrown in prison. You're gonna be going through a, a time of intense testing of your faith. He says, you endure to the end and you'll get the crown of life. We need to endure all the way through. James tells us in chapter one, verses two through four, that the testing of our faith doesn't have to rock our faith. It doesn't have to kill our faith. It can strengthen our faith, right? The sun comes up, challenges that plant that, hey, the surface level water's not enough anymore, right? The cool of the morning or the, um, the, the coolness of the evening, that, that water, that, that's when you typically want to water your plants, right? So the sun doesn't just evaporate it immediately. So you turn your sprinklers on before the sun comes up. Why? 
puts the water on the surface, the plant drinks. But when that sun comes up, it's got to go deep. It's got to go down in there to find the moisture, right? We want our faith to be doing the same thing, to pull what we need when times are tough. This is depthless hearing. Will this enemy dehydrate the word from my heart so that I reject it quickly, right? I I accepted it quickly, but then as soon as things aren't going my way, I reject it quickly too. The sun can have a positive effect. It drives those plants' roots deep so that it keeps finding water. But if we haven't provided the possibility of depth, if there's a hard layer underneath that, like we're only interested in, in Christ as long as things are good, our roots will hit that rock and will die when the sun dehydrates us. Lastly, number three, listen well because life can impact your hearing. Life can impact your hearing as well. Not just Satan, not just trials, but just the busyness of life. He says in verse seven, some fell among thorns and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. He expounds upon what that means in verse 14. As far as what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. Soil number three is the thorny ground. The enemy here is the busy life the choking and the crowding out of God's word. The main issue here is that the word begins to take root, but it has no room to truly grow due to how crowded the rest of the heart is. There's a competition obstacle that's presented here. It reminds us that we can't be double-minded disciples. We can't have a love for the things of the world and try to love the things of Christ. The things of the world will grow faster than the love for the word, and it'll keep us from being able to be intentional with the application of the word, right? So if we're, trying to, if we're trying to buy into all the things of the world and try to buy into the things of God, the things of the world's gonna grow faster, right? That's the picture here is that the seed is planted, but it can't really do anything because the weeds and the thorns around it are growing so fast, it chokes it out. It's stealing everything that the plant needs to live. Jesus says, if we're not careful, that's what's gonna happen when the, when the word is presented to us. We won't get serious about God's word. We won't get serious about the application of it because the time and the attention and the resources needed, well, those are going to other things that we've prioritized in our life. Because something else is growing here, it takes what the plant needs. There's not enough to go around. The things of this world will create a tyranny of the urgent if we're not careful so that we miss the important. We've talked about this before, right? That tyranny of the urgent is the idea that we make things seem more important than they, than they are at the cost of things that really are important, right? We've talked before about how uh, if you're not careful, the maintenance of your lawn or your job or, or, or some of these other things will, will steal time away from your family, right? And you'll think that I can't do this because I got to do this. And that starts to infiltrate into your, your spiritual life, right? Like, I can't, I can't go to this. I can't participate in this. Why? Because I've got to do this instead. Feels important, feels right, feels necessary. That's the tyranny of the urgent. You feel like you're making the right choice. And what you fail to see is that you've prioritized all wrong. We do what we prioritize doing. What we don't do is simply what we have prioritized not to do. We all have lists of things that we don't get around to. 
It's because we don't prioritize them, right? I've got a long list of things that I want to do around my house that I could make time for. It would just be at the cost of something else. And so I've, cho- I've chosen to prioritize other things. What we don't want to be guilty of is prioritizing the wrong thing because that's what happens with this soil, the thorns. They're, they're growing where you're trying to plant God's word and it chokes it out, chokes it out. This is distracted hearing. Will this enemy keep me from scheduling the word in my heart so that I put it off regularly? Will the things of the world keep me from God's word? Will it keep me from hearing God's word? Will it keep me from being in a setting where God's word is being taught? Will other things take precedent and priority over it? These are the bad types of soil. Jesus comes to the the closing aspect of the good soil, which gives implication to us. How do I listen well? That's his point with this parable is that we need to hear well. We need to listen well. Well, how do we do that? Well, soil number four gives us what good soil looks like, the soil that receives God's word well. It says in verse eight, some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. He expounds upon that in verse 15. As for that in the good soil, they are those who hearing the word hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. There seems to be a preparation piece to this soil. It seems to be tilled. It seems to be prepared and ready to receive. There's work that's been done, which, which should indicate to us that when we come on a Sunday or we come on a Wednesday or, or we even just sit down to study God's word on our own, if we haven't prepared our hearts properly, don't be surprised if it hits hard ground. Don't be surprised if there is no impact. It may not be because the preacher did a bad job or, or God's word didn't, didn't come alive to you that morning. It's probably a heart condition. We must want to understand it. We must want to seek to obey it. We must want to receive the word with the intention of applying it. With the good soil, the word doesn't bounce off hardness. It doesn't wilt when difficulty comes and it doesn't divide and die due to conflicting loyalties. And there's two key things that I want to give you here as we close as to why this soil seems to be good. Number one is honesty. It's received with honesty. They hold it fast in an honest and good heart. We need to believe the word is the sufficient need for our sinful heart. We need to be willing to guard our ability to receive the word because we believe it's the tool for saving and keeping us. We need to be in the habit of always being ready to do something with the word of God that we hear. So for some of you, you come every week, you hear me preach and teach and and others of our elders preach and teach every week and, and it never really does anything to you, never really impacts you. It may be because you're not being honest with yourself that you desperately need what's being shared. For some of you, you can't, you can't stop thinking about what you're doing after this, right? The, the, the things of the world are already choking out what I'm literally saying right now because you're already worried about what's happening after this. That's a tool of Satan to distract us, right? He's, he's coming like a bird and he's snatching it out and he's, he's causing you to think about other things. It's, it's choking it out right now. The honest piece is us saying, what's happening right now is super important. Not because Adam is super important, but because God's word is super important. I need to hear the message. I need to cling to it, hold to it with honesty. It's sufficient for me, and I have a sinful heart that needs to be changed. Number two is patience. Believe the promises of God will be fulfilled in his timing. The patient piece, the part that allows the 
the plant and the roots to go deep and not be the, the, the type that wilts when the sun comes up is that they bear fruit with patience. Meaning that, that there's a, a, an honest belief that God's word is sufficient and the promises of God are good and they will come to fruition in his timing. Maybe not on our timing, but certainly on his. I put in my notes, be reading, believing, and applying God's word and know the fruit and maturation will come right? If we'll just be in the habit of putting ourselves under God's word, we're reading it, we're believing it, we're applying it. When it's formally taught and when I'm informally reading, I'm in the habit of doing this. The fruit and the maturation will come. And it will come in such a way that it will endure satanic attacks. It will endure trials and temptations. It will endure worldly pleasures. And it will make it to the end. That's the type of faith that we're called to. The faith that makes it to the end. Now, what I'm super thankful for, backing up to the section that we haven't looked at, I'm super thankful that this isn't just talked about arbitrarily as though there's no evidence for what this looks like. I think Luke includes the section in verses 1 through 3 to help us see that good soil, good soil is possible in every human heart. No matter how hard it's been in the past, no matter how uh, given towards the enemies it's been in the past, every human heart can be changed into good soil. Look, look at the picture of people here who are following him. He goes through cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the 12 were with him. These apostles are important because they've overcome historical hardness in Israel. I mean, think about what we know about Israel in the Old Testament. Before Jesus shows up, what we typically think about is Israel, of Israel is being hard of heart, right? They're described as being hard-hearted throughout the Old Testament. <clears throat> and these apostles, these disciples, they're born and raised in religious homes where their parents may have been very hard, very legalistic to their approach of following Yahweh. God has rescued these disciples out of a historical hardness. He also endures them through growing trials. We know the disciples die of persecution and they don't waver in their faith. These guys are an example to us. But also look at the women that are mentioned here. Women who have been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. I mean, these are women who, who aren't just the individual sitting here today who Satan is trying to pluck the word from your heart right now. Like behind the scenes, not totally evident, but he's there working and trying to distract you. No, these are women who were given to satanic forces. They were possessed by demons. Like their interaction with spiritual forces, way more serious than anything we've been dealing with, right? Whatever's happening around you right now to try to keep you from hearing me, man, this was on a way grander scale. These women were given to satanic forces and God has rescued them to where they now follow Jesus. But then they are also talked about as being affluent people, right? Joanna's the wife of Chusa, who's Herod's household manager. Suzanne and others, they're supporting Jesus financially with their wealth. These are people who could have clung to their wealth, could have clung to the things of this world, could have been totally distracted and had their faith choked out by the things of this world, and yet they're giving. They are giving and supporting Jesus and his disciples to spread the word. These are people who had bad hearts at some point right? They were hard. They were given to satanic forces. 
They were clinging to the things of this world and they were rescued from it and their hearts were changed. Their soil was softened and they became followers of Jesus, receptive to his word. You can be that too today. Regardless of what your heart condition was when you walked in here today, you can leave with good soil moving forward. You can do what Jesus says. If you have ears to hear, hear this morning. Hear well, listen well. Two points of application as we close. Number one, evaluate your current state of hearing. Evaluate your current state of hearing. Are you doing and not doing things based on the prompting of the Holy Spirit through God's word in your life? Keyword being recently. Recently. Most of you have been here for the last several weeks. Right? I can, I can look around and see beyond our visitors this morning that are maybe first-time visitors, a lot of you have been here over the last several weeks. Are you doing and not doing any, anything differently because you came the last few weeks? Because if you're not, don't be too quick to think that I didn't do a good job. I probably could have done a way better job of teaching these parables, right? But again, the sower comes and he sows the seed. Whether the seed grows or not has far more to do with the soil than the sower and the seed. The seed's sufficient. God's word is sufficient. Even though I'm insufficiently sharing it with you, it is sufficient to grow and bring about maturation in your life. If you look back over the last several weeks and you can't even think about what we've talked about the last several weeks, you probably need to look at the soil and say, where's the distraction? Where's the hardness? Right? Why can't I even remember what we talked about the last several weeks? Are you doing and not doing anything in your life because of the Holy Spirit's prompting about God's word recently? Number two, identify the biggest enemies to your hearing and take action. What is keeping you from doing and not doing things that we're seeing in God's word? Are you prone to hardness? Are you just like resistant to God's word? Like you're at a state in life right now where you're bitter, you're frustrated, there's outside factors that are leading you to just not be totally given to God's word right now? Is it shallowness? Like, like you've come the last several weeks, you've said, hey, those were good sermons, those were great. I affirm what Adam has said. But you didn't really see that it was needed for you specifically, and so it was very much an affirmation, and then it was, there was no depth to it for you. You just kind of discarded it afterwards. Is it distractedness? Is there busyness in your life right now that keeps you from clinging to God's word? Like you're, you're not remembering what we talk about here because the rest of your Sunday is so busy and there's no coming back to it to make sure that you're doing the word and not just hearing it? Are you so distracted that you're never in God's word on your own personally? What is it that's keeping you from giving your life to the word? What is it that's keeping the word from taking root in your life? Hardness, shallowness, distractedness? That's for you to identify that's for you to evaluate. It's for you to be honest because that's what Jesus says. The person who receives the word well, he does it with an honest and a good heart. And again, it doesn't matter what your heart condition was coming in here. You could have been like the disciples and super hard because your family's been hard for so long to God's word. You could be like the women. You could have been under some serious, like just outside oppression where you just felt like, man, like, like, I've just been into so much dark sin that I have been resistant to God's word. You may have just been really distracted by the things of the world. The riches of this world, the pleasures and the cares have just kept you from really being intentional. Whatever it is, Jesus gives us evidence that the people overcome these things. 
that the Holy Spirit and the God's word are powerful enough to overcome all of those challenges, all of those enemies, the word can take root in your heart. Is your, is your heart hard or is it open and receptive? Let's pray together. God, we love you. We praise you and thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you give us the ability to hear it. But God, I pray that we would really hear it today. That we'd hear it like when we hear our parents talking about something that we want to be interested in and we, we want to really dial in and listen to it well. God, give us those type of attentive ears. God, help us to be honest and open enough to say, have I done anything with what I've heard recently? Has your word had any impact on my life? Are there things that I'm now doing that I wasn't previously doing? Are there things that I'm not doing now that previously I was doing because your Holy Spirit has convicted me? If not, God, help us to see that there may be something wrong with our soil, that our heart may not be right. We may be shallowly accepting good sermons week after week. But we may be hardened to letting those sermons actually do anything in our life. Convict us if that's true. Give us honest and good hearts that bear fruit with patience as we trust you more and more. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Hope Church podcast. We trust that you've been encouraged by the word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at www.sovhope.org. Again, that's www.sovhope.org.